minds through Gracious Christ God Jesus. and Father, you've promised that Amen. your holy word, which goes forth from your mouth, will not return to you empty, but it will accomplish what you desire, and it will succeed in the matter for which you've sent it. May your word have its way, we pray, in every heart this day, through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. There was an article in the uh, August Lutheran Witness magazine, and you may subscribe to it. I don't know. I encourage you to do so. The articles in here are really timely, and I think they just really hit the mark in terms of being relevant and applying uh, God's Word, and especially the Gospel, uh, to our life situation. So I encourage you to subscribe if you're not. Uh, anyway, in the August uh, issue, there was an article entitled, When You See a Panhandler. And if you've been in downtown Indy, or you don't even have to go to downtown Indy to encounter, if you're going to a ball game there or whatever, or if you're just going to Walmart here in Columbus, uh, you'll find people who hold up a sign uh, asking for a donation and asking God to bless you and that sort of thing. What do you do in a situation like that? And uh, there are some words from Luther, and uh, I'm just taking this from the article. Uh, Dr. Luther was known for his hospitality uh, and his care for the poor, uh, and yet he often struggled when it came to professional beggars and what to do with them. And he, he, he wrote about scoundrels and uh, people who abused the generosity of pious people, and he went so far as to call many of them criminals who uh, grift across the land, using up scarce resources meant for those who are truly in need. And yet, in his large catechism, he wrote these words, If, therefore, you send away one that is naked when you could clothe him, you have caused him to freeze to death. If you see one suffer hunger and do not give him food, you have caused him to starve. You have withheld your love from him and deprived him of the benefit whereby his life would have been saved. I think, like many of us, at times Luther resented beggars, and yet he cared for them in spite of that. And on his deathbed, he declared himself to be one of them. These were his last words. We are beggars. This is true. And it is true. All of us are beggars before the Lord. We cannot provide for ourselves. All of us are completely dependent upon him. None of us is independent. So we have much in common with those who beg. And yet, we still struggle with giving to them. And, and partly, I think, we do because of the words of our gospel lesson today in verse 42 of Matthew 5. Jesus said, give to the one who asks you. Give to the one who asks. Now, my friends, that, that's pretty broad <laughs> command, right? Uh, I mean, what's the limiting factor there? Uh, where does it end, you see? Uh, these are the kinds of questions that we ask ourselves. There doesn't seem to be any limiting factor. And yet I would submit that in certain cases there are 
limits. And so Roman numeral number one, you should say no to giving when, A, it enables destructive behavior. When it enables destructive behavior. Uh, I would not give cash to an alcoholic. I would not give cash to a drug addict. I wouldn't give cash to anyone whom I know gambles. Because there's gambling addictions too. That's not good for them. To give a drunk a drink is not the loving thing to do. It may get rid of him for a while and free you up to do something else, but that's not love. And when I encounter a stranger, and we encounter strangers here on a routine basis, who are looking for some sort of assistance, and I always ask him this question, are you connected to a church? A synagogue, a mosque, you know, a community of people that know you and who would, who would want to help you if they only knew the need. And almost invariably, the answer is no. They're not connected to a faith community. I mean, that's why they're coming here for help. Now, we may give them a certain kind of help, not necessarily what they ask for. Because I don't know them. I don't know what they're going to do with the cash, you see. We might put gas in their car or refer them to someone who will. But if they're strangers, I reserve the right to say no to certain things. Certain things. And so point B, you should say no when you are being pressured or shamed into giving. When you're being pressured or shamed into giving. There's a church I know of. that asks you to give your W-2 form before you join so that they know what you earn and they will tell you how much you should give. Now, if that's the way you operate, fine. Um, I don't operate that way and I don't believe Scripture does either. And even if they don't require your W-2, they will dictate to you the percentage that you should be giving. That's very common, the correct percentage. I don't believe in that either. I don't think the New Testament does. And then panhandlers who are aggressive, some are, most aren't. But, but those who are aggressive are those who would try to shame you and guilt you. And I've encountered that, especially in New York City. Um, they want to guilt you into giving something. And, you know, there is a way to handle that. And I'll get to that in just a moment. And, and maybe, maybe I'm thinking too much of them. But I do not want to reinforce their bad, their awful social skills. I think they have a responsibility as well. Not just you and me, but they have a responsibility as well. I'll get to that. Roman numeral two, while you should give to everyone who asks, and Jesus makes that clear, you need not give everything they ask for. 
That was St. Augustine on this verse from our Gospel reading. You need not give everything asked for. I have an example here. This is something that we would call a, a blessing bag. And uh, there's, uh, as you leave today, there's, uh, there will be a number of these in a basket. If, if you want to take one, and this is for homeless folks. This is for people uh, who, who desperately need help, or at least they, t- they claim to, and we, we take them seriously. But in here, there's a washcloth. There's some sugar-free gum. There's some body wash. There is some chapstick. There's two granola bars in here. That is a way to give. I mean, frankly, I'm tempted to pick this up myself. I mean, I can use it too. And so I think anyone can use this. Anyone can benefit from it. It's a way to give without giving cash. But we're tempted to give cash because we don't just carry these around. But the recommendation is, and this is from the article, have one or two of these ready when you go to downtown Indy. If you drive, if you're leaving Walmart, you know, just have something ready. And give it to them. This is something they can use. We don't want to neglect the poor. But we don't want to give in a way that could be, it might be harmful either. There are reasons to say no. Or there are reasons to say, well, maybe no to this, but maybe yes to that. Okay? So I I think we can discriminate in that way. Roman numeral three, you will say yes to giving when, A, it is done freely or it is done voluntarily, same thing. When we hear that God gives freely to the poor, it means he gives voluntarily to the poor. That would be all of us. We have nothing apart from him. When it's done freely, when it's your idea, Without compulsion, verse 7, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. God wants you to experience joy in giving, and you experience joy in giving when it's your idea. And my friends, there is no limit to what you will do when that desire to give arises from within you and not from outside of you. It must be a willing gift, according to God, without coercion. I cite um, 2 Corinthians 8.3. Paul talks about the Macedonian Christians. They were truly impoverished. And yet, he writes, they gave beyond their ability because they gave of their own accord. They gave willingly. They wanted to do it, you see. You couldn't stop them from doing it. Like the people in our first lesson, they gave willingly. They, they gave more than enough, you see. This is the kind of giving God desires. There is no limit to what you'll do when it arises from a willing heart. There's no limit to the joy you experience when the giving is your idea. I cite Luke 15 under point number one. God gives freely. He gives voluntarily. And joy is the result. And here's the idea of 
the good shepherd seeking the lost sheep. Now, it's not a lamb. We always see in stained glass windows and pictures Jesus carrying a little lamb. That's not Luke 15. He's carrying a sheep, okay? This is a burden. This is heavy. I mean, to carry this thing back uh, it puts him under extreme duress. And it's a good picture of his work of redemption, you see, where he bears the weight of our guilt and our sin. It costs. It costs him to seek and to find us and to bring us back. And my friends, because that desire arises from within him, it's not coerced. We didn't even ask for it. But because it's his idea, there's no limit to the grace and to the mercy that he provides you and me and every man, woman, and child, homeless or not. That's God. He can't be coerced into self-sacrifice. He does it willingly, and he does it gladly. Hebrews 2, 12, or 12, uh, verse 2. The writer makes very clear that for the joy that was set before him, Christ endured the cross, scorning its shame. For the joy set before him, for the joy of knowing that you would gather here on the Lord's day to receive his gifts, to hear his word. For that joy, he endured the cross. No one could force it. It was willing. It was willing. Number two. We're made in God's image. We're wired the same way. He made us this way. And joy is the result when we give freely, not coerced, not guilted into it. Let me ask you a question. What gives you the most satisfaction? To buy something for yourself or to buy something for another? Which is more satisfying? This is why Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive. We're just wired this way to to receive a return that we cannot possibly achieve on our own by gathering more unto ourselves. And then number three, coercion robs us of joy. It robs us of joy. People who would manipulate you into giving, who would coerce you into giving, people who would guilt you into giving are robbing not only your money, they're taking your joy from you. And they have a responsibility as well. When they ask. None of us deserve the grace that we receive. Someone must pay. That's the way it is with a gift. And we should humbly receive it and humbly ask, not demand. God would not have you robbed of your joy. Letter B, you'll say yes to giving when you believe that God has given you control over your own finances. He's given you the control. You know, in the Old Testament, there were two kinds of giving. There was compulsory giving. There were those offerings that were required. And there were free will offerings. Both. It's kind of like in our gospel reading. Somebody's compelling you to go one mile. That would be a Roman soldier. 
But Jesus says, break free of that, okay? Okay, go one mile. He's got the sword. He's forcing you to do it. Do it. But then go another mile. Give freely of your own, you see. That's the kind of giving God desires. And so in the Old Testament, there were these free will offerings. You had this opportunity to give freely. It was your idea, no one else's. And in the New Testament, that's the only kind of giving there is. That's the point of the message today. It's the only kind of giving there is. Freely, voluntarily. Don't let anyone fool you. Galatians 5.1 For freedom Christ has set us free. Do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. Don't live under compulsion. You've been freed from that. You're in control. You know, we're not in control of very much in life. And I'm reminded of that time and again. But when it comes to finances, you are. You have been given that freedom by God. You're free to be joyful. Many of us tithe. We, many of us follow that Old Testament law, not because it's a requirement for us, but because we choose to follow it. Roman numeral four. God wants nothing but voluntary giving. He wants nothing but willing gifts. Because those are the gifts that are given out of love. They're not extorted. They're given freely. You know, let, let's say I've got a birthday coming up. I don't, but um, let's say I do. And I'll mention it to you. I kind of manipulate you into giving me something. Do you really think I'm going to be satisfied with that? Will that give satisfy me if, if I've forced it out of you in some way? I'll, I'll just tell you, no, it won't. Because it wasn't given in love. And it's no different with God. You and I operate on, on the same, in the same way when it comes to this. And we operate in the same way that God does. The only giving that satisfies God is giving that is done voluntarily because that's the only kind of giving God himself does. Jesus lays down his life freely. I like the way he puts it in John chapter 10. No one takes my life from me. He said, I lay it down of my own accord. Unlike all those lambs in the Old Testament that prefigured him, he's the willing sacrifice. And he forgives sins voluntarily. He gives life to the dead voluntarily. He satisfies the desires of every living thing voluntarily. For one reason only, you see, because he chooses to. And because he chooses to, there is no limit to what he can do and will do for you and for me. And because he's given us freedom to do as we wish with our own giving, there's no limit to what he can do through us. No limit. And there's no limit to the joy that we receive in response. So I know it's a touchy subject, and I, I can't tell you what to do here, but I think there are a few limited circumstances where we can legitimately say no to giving, only out of love for the person asking. But I think... 
all of us will gladly say yes to giving when we remember that it is given to us to decide what, when, and how. In Jesus' name, amen. The peace of God, which passes all